And it is Jesus that makes today truly glorious. Welcome to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church. We are so glad to have you with us this morning. Please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Today we will consider a summary of the character qualities of God's Old Testament law. The problem is not the law, it's our flesh that's the problem. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. And the Old Testament law is the weapon which the power of sin, also known as the law of sin and death, uses to spiritually kill people. And so recapping, what have we seen about the character of God's law? Oh, it's useful, and it's active, and it's holy, and it's a weapon, but there's more. There's one more thing in this text about God's law. The fifth thing is God's law is spiritual. Look at the first part of verse 14, please. God's law is spiritual. For we know that the law is spiritual. Stop at the semicolon. The law of God is spiritual. In what sense? The law of God is spiritual in that the law reflects all of God's character. The law of God makes visible all of, law, all of God's character. It's spiritual. The law of God is spiritual. The law of God reflects all that is God's character, and the law of God reflects all of God's character because the law of God opposes sin. And the law calls sin, sin. The law doesn't let you, when you sin, say that was somebody else's fault. The law of God doesn't let you blame shift responsibility that someone victimized me so I'll never be able to live holy. The law of God doesn't let you have a crutch to blame your sin on somebody else. It's like the kid who came home in grade seven with his report card and after dinner, he presented it to his daddy, and uh, the daddy looked at him and he said, five F's and two D's? Five F's and two D's? Yeah, Dad, what do we chalk it up to, environment or heredity? <laughs> That's where the world's at, right? Nobody says it's my fault when it's their fault. Nobody owns up the responsibility. And the law of God is spiritual in that it says, this is God's character, and you and you alone haven't lived up to God's character. Don't blame it on your grandmother. Don't blame it on your school. Don't blame that it's hard to get a job. If you're lazy, you're lazy. And so the law of God won't allow any of us to blame shift regarding our sins. And the law of God shares the very same perfect and holy nature of God who wrote it. A holy God wrote a holy law. Therefore, the law is not in any way flawed or inconsistent or bad. How in the world would we know about our sin and about our desperate need of Jesus without the law? We'd be measuring ourselves with six-inch rulers and saying that we're 12 feet tall without the law of God giving us a 12-inch foot as a foot. The law is spiritual because it diagnoses our spiritual inadequacies. And the law is a wonderful spiritual mirror that we should frequently look into. And that law of God as a mirror reveals all of our blemishes, which are many. It points out all of our ways that we fall short of God. 
The law is also spiritual because it teaches us that the solution to our sin problem is a spiritual solution. Jesus and the Holy Spirit he's left us with as believers. And in friends, in all of these ways, the law is spiritual in its opposition to our sin and in its exposure of our sin. And so the law of God reflects the character of the lawgiver, and the law of God is spiritual. So let's wrap this up. The law's character, according to Romans 7, 7 to 14, has fivefold. There are five aspects of the law of God's character. You ready? First of all, God's law is useful. Second, God's law is active. Third, God's law is holy. Fourth, God's law is a weapon. And fifth, God's law is spiritual. Are you aware that there are folks who are physiologically sensitive to chocolate? Certain of the larger benzene compounds present in chocolate are resisted by their bodies through an allergic reaction. That's a bummer of an allergy, I'd say. Depending on the individual, this reaction to chocolate may range from very mild, producing a minor skin rash, to very severe, producing medical shock and even death. Chocolate is fatal for some persons not because chocolate is poisonous in and of itself, but because of the biochemical makeup of their bodies. The sin in us, our sin natures, makes the law a problem to us. The law has no problem in itself. The law of God enhances the power of the law of sin and death in people, not because the law is evil, but because mankind has an evil nature. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the teaching of your word. Deliver us from thinking when we understood it, we've mastered it this morning. Help us to go far beyond understanding to obedience. Thank you for the undo-it-yourself kit for the Christian life which you've given to each of us who know you as Savior. Thank you that that undo-it-yourself kit for Christian living involves the total fulfillment of the entire Old Testament law by Jesus. Thank you that the kit includes the Holy Spirit, very God, permanently living inside the true believer. That that kit includes prayer access to you, Father, to your throne, to your ear, to your heart, to your power. Thank you that the undo-it-yourself kit for Christian living also includes your amazing grace, God. Grace for justification, sanctification, and even glorification. And thank you that the undo-it-yourself kit for Christian living has in it a brand new identity for each believer in Jesus. This is a wonderful, Lord. This is a wonderful and more than adequate undo-it-yourself kit for Christian living. So, Lord, may we walk holy because this Holy Spirit lives in us. May we walk holy. And Lord, for those who labor in their own so-called freedoms, but literally they're prisoners of sin because Jesus is not their Savior yet, help us to tell them 
that the law of God shows you're a sinner, but the Son of God has fulfilled the law, and he can be your righteousness. Make us an evangelizing congregation. Make us a sanctified congregation. Body of believers where the Spirit of God within us ministers the Word of God to our hearts and beyond our hearts to each other's hearts. Jesus, you've come to set us free. You've come to give us abundant life. And we would walk with you in the Spirit to live that abundant life with joy. And we pray these things in Jesus, your precious name together. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we want to continue on talking about what it means to follow Christ. And last time we talked about how as a teenager that we need to pursue Christ no matter what. And we need to understand as parents that we need to allow our kids to follow God's plan instead of our own plans. Today we want to continue talking about, as Jesus calls the disciples, we want to consider and talk about how Jesus himself did not call the people who we all expect again. Again, as we considered last week, we talked about how Jesus, we would think that he would want the lawyers, the doctors, the rich, the, you know, those people of that day. But today we want to talk about how Jesus himself went to sinners and he understood that, you know what? All of us are sinners and we all are in need of a savior. We all are in need of healing. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It says that as Jesus passed on there, from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to them, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Again, we consider as Jesus himself is calling Matthew a tax collector. Someone who was not respected in that day. Someone who basically people saw them as stealing. And let's consider that for a second because in our own culture, as we consider coming through customs and we consider having to pay taxes to the government, none of us like a tax collector. No one likes a customs officer as we're coming in because for a lot of people, they want to try to steal from the government because that's what we're doing if we don't pay our customs and our duty. And we also see how some customs officers would even accept bribes and different things so that they don't pay the, the proper amount. So this is what we're looking at. We're looking at Matthew, a tax collector, someone who probably took bribes, someone who probably, like again, was not well-respected in the community. But we see Jesus doing something that would be something that today we would not even consider. And I want us to understand the wording as this is talking about. In verse 10 it says, And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house. You see, Jesus was comfortable. Jesus wasn't looking over his shoulder to see what was going on. Jesus wasn't all about, you know, well, I, I can't make sure someone else don't see me here. No, no, he was reclined. And for me, I have a lazy boy. I have a reclining chair. And I could tell you that I love to recline in my chair. And I know this may not be talking about a reclining lazy boy, but we have to understand it, the principle here, that he was comfortable to the table of this house. And again, as we consider that, you know, we may be saying, you know, well, he was only with one Matthew. 
But no, what happened is we see many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. You see, many came and followed him. Many people were there and they wanted to hear from Jesus. But we also need to understand as we want to focus here on Matthew because Matthew understood that, look, you know what? If it's anyone who should question why Jesus is calling me to follow him would be me because I've stolen from people. I've collected taxes. No one likes me. But as we go back to verse 9, it says this, As Jesus said to him, follow me, he rose and followed him. Again, as we considered a week ago, we considered how immediately these guys followed Jesus. They asked no questions. They didn't question why ask Jesus. No, they just followed him. And we also notice as, as we consider this and we think about when we follow Jesus, there's always going to be people who are going to question you. In fact, as we see in verse 11, the Pharisees saw this and they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Again, they were questioning, why is Jesus eating with these sinners? Why isn't Jesus eating with us? Why is he talking to, you know, the religious leaders of the day? Or why is he talking to you sinners? They tried to not have Jesus hear this. But when Jesus had heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, we need to recognize this morning as you consider this, and you may be listening this morning as a, as a young person, you may be saying to yourself, you know what? I've messed up, Pastor Nicholas. I've done things in my life that Jesus would want nothing to do with me. But let me just tell you this. You're the prime person that Jesus wants. He wants you because he recognizes that, you know what? You are a sinner. You are a person that sees your sin for what it is, and you want to change that. You see, there are many people today who see themselves as righteous already, who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who think they have it all together. They're a good person because they've never had sex before marriage. They don't drink. They've never done drugs. They're righteous in the world's eyes. But the reality is for you, a person, we all need to see ourselves as sinners, and even myself, as a, as a born-again believer, I am a sinner saved by grace. There was nothing I did to deserve this. Nothing I did. But Jesus paid the price, and Jesus called me to follow him. And you see, we need to understand as we consider this in our lives, for each of us who call ourselves born-again believers, is this. Are we truly following Jesus with everything that we have? Are we like the disciple Matthew, as, he, as Jesus f- says to follow me, we leave everything behind to follow him. You see, what is it this morning that you're holding on to that you say, you know what? This is stopping me from giving Jesus 100%. This is stopping me from following him with everything that I have. You see, too many times in our lives, we want to hold on. We want to give Jesus a part of our lives. And even for some of us, we will say we'll give Jesus our Sunday. But the rest of the week, I'm going to live that, my life how I want to live it. And I challenge you if that is you that you would recognize that when we come to follow Jesus, we are giving him everything that we have. We shouldn't hold anything back from him because he wants all of us. Not some of us, but all of us. And I would challenge you to just think things in your life that you need to give to him and pray to him and say, God, I want to give this over to you. I want to give my whole life to you. And like I said, you know, we have said earlier, if you have any questions at all, please feel free to email us and let us know. Or call the church office at 326 
It's time now for today's personal God story. Well, uh, it's my pleasure again to have my brother and sister Dewitt and Sally Simonette with me today recording. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning Pastor Elliot. Thank you. We have been telling your story, letting you tell your story, and it's quite a story. Um, marriage problems with each other, break up, uh, permission from the court to remarry, remarry. Uh, both marriages not uh, proving to be very satisfying. Both of you thinking and remembering one another fondly. Uh, both your uh, mates died, and uh, Sally had tried to reached out to find DeWitt without success, um, and no phone number that working, and no sense of where he was. And then I, I sort of cut you off last week. What were you going to say, please? I finally found him. How did you do that? Well, his niece. I was talking to my best friend. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And, and so she uh, told you she gave me his number. Oh, so yes. what'd you do with that number? Well, he called me first. Oh, how did that work? How did you have her number? Oh, I always do one number. Because, uh, no, uh, you know, um, we, we, we talked 30 years ago. We, we... Maybe 30 years. About maybe 30 years ago. 30 years. Mm. Um, she 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 had she had called me. I was working in Abaco. Yes. And what happened was uh, she was able to get in contact with me because her friend was operating the uh the telco and she was operating the the system. Okay. So um this this is Bastai. Okay. okay. So you finally yeah. got to talk. You found each yeah. other. Yeah. And you talked on the phone or in person? On the phone. On, on, the, on phone. the phone. On the phone. And you I started... I didn't really look like that. Over 50 <laughs> years, I didn't know. Yeah. But we talked no. on the phone. Wow. Yeah. What happened um, uh, her friend had told her that I was I was in Abaco. And then again, um, we had a chance um, to talk. She had told me, and this is what I appreciate about it, she told me that how sorry she was what happened and what I went through when asked me to forgive her, mm. which I did. Yes. So um, it's like, uh, it's just like, it's not a just right now thing. It's been a long time. Yes. But it's like um, God had us go through our wilderness. Yes. And we didn't go backward. We went forward. Oh, that's so beautiful. So we ended up where we met the first time. Well, tell us about that, Sally. Uh, when and where did you meet, re-meet each other? We met in, once in Marsh Hour. Uh-huh. Yeah, for a little while. Just for, I don't know how many days it was, but anyhow. And then, then I didn't see him again for a little while. And yeah. then, then we started to talk last year. Yeah, before last October. Yes. Uh, yes. We got married last year, October. Yeah. yeah, you heard it, listeners. They got married last year. Is this a story or what? Uh, we had the newspaper come to the uh, ceremony uh, when you got wed. Did you know that? The newspaper reporter was there, I think. No. Yeah, I heard so. Yeah. I didn't know. Well, you made the newspaper. But uh, so when you started talking... Um, on the phone at first before you went to Marsh Harbor to meet him, Sally. Yeah. Um, 
Was it just sort of uh, catching up on the years apart, or was it other things you talked about? Well, we t- just really catching up. Catching up. Yes, just about catching up. Catching up. And did you, Sally, did you pick up that Duet was a changed person? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. How did you perceive him as being changed? Well, I did. I just, with this conversation and the talking, mm-hmm. and uh, I just had like a spirit. The Lord just gave me that, that comfort spirit. That he Comfortable, peaceful spirit. Peaceful, yeah. Beautiful. And yes. it, when you were talking to Sally on the phone and at Marsh Harbor, did you perceive that she had changed, been changed? Yes, because it's like I say to her now and to people, um, she 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 may have a, a body may be old, but 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 it's the new Sally inside of there. Mm. You know, it's like a new engine in in, in a an antique, a new engine in a fine Mercedes Benz yeah. car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, what's in what ways did you perceive that Sally was new? Well, um, the motor is controlled by her. Mm. And, Her speech uh, was different. Yeah, yeah, different. You know, um, she listened. She better listen. She listens, and um, she asks us my um, my opinions and things like that. And she's not the person that she was. That if it wasn't her way, it wasn't gonna be no way. Very interesting. What would you say to the listener this morning? who um, is married and, and sees a lot of what's wrong in their husband or their wife. Is there hope for things to change? Of course. Right. Yes. Yeah, because of Christ, right? Yeah, but on the cost of God, there is hope. There is hope. But it has to be in Christ. It has to be in Christ and has to come as a result of prayer. Of prayer. And to stay committed in that marriage. And committed, yes. And prayerful. Yes. All right. We're going to put a semicolon right here like we have been doing these different Sundays and tell more of the story next time. Thank you so much for continuing to tell us your amazing story. Why don't we pray? Lord, your grace is amazing. Help us, whoever we are, wherever we are, to know that you're in the business of changing lives for the better. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. This question comes from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. And that verse reads, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. The question is, how is Paul, 
How is Paul's doctrine of the physical resurrection consistent with his statement that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God? Paul concludes his defense of the doctrine of the resurrection by explaining the process by which the resurrection body is obtained by the rapture, verse 52 of chapter 15, or through death, verses 54 through 57. The importance of this is stressed in verse 50, where Paul declares that, quote, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, end quote. Paul's point is that you cannot go to heaven in your present mortal body. The perishable body must be changed and modified in order to enter into the heavenly sphere. The resurrection body will not be made of flesh and blood, but it will be a very real, glorified human body. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to the service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior. <laughs>